0: We're going back to Genesis chapter 16, and we're going to introduce a new name of God. Not a new name, it's new to us, or maybe uh, for some people it's introduction to that. So um, we, we're still in the L's. So it's uh, Elohim, El Shaddai, and now the name that we're going to study tonight is El Roy. El Roy. Not El Roy like the boy from the Jetsons, okay? So that's a totally different El Roy. And this, is, this is El Roy, E-L-R-O-I, El Roy. Who knows what that means? Well, you guys should all, because you have an outline. God sees you, or the God who sees. I, I had a great time. I think it was about three years ago, four years ago. I preached this on a Sunday morning, so some of this will sound familiar. So, God wants us to learn His name, uh, but He does it through stories. He does it through circumstance. So, guys, the whole time today, all we're going to do is stop and pause. We're going to learn why God introduced Himself, not just the fact of going through a list and bullet points, but the story behind the name. So we're going back to last week's lesson when we're talking about Abraham and Sarah, but I kind of skipped over this part because we were coming back to it. They they were promised a child, and yet they had no children, and I'm not going to go through all that again. But let's dive into this chapter 16, verse 1, where it all happened. Now, Sarai, because her name wasn't James, Abram's wife, bare him no children, and she had a handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. Remember that they had this promise from God, so they're still waiting, and they're waiting and waiting, and they're like, okay, we're getting past the point that this doesn't make sense, and when things get to the point where they don't make sense, what happens in our brains? We try to fix it. We doubt we try to alter things another way. Now, if you guys remember the passage that we read last week when they were saying, thinking that maybe God was going to do the promise through an error. And God said and clearly said, Abraham, it will not be through an error but from thine own bowels. That he said that from your, from your own self, from, your, from you and your relationship. That's how, the way that it's going to happen. And Sarah said unto Abraham, Behold now, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing She's like, well, wait a minute. Maybe maybe God's doing this. Maybe it's not us. Maybe she's almost blaming God for this. I pray thee, go unto thy handmaid, that that I might be able to obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarah. Now, I'm going to ask you guys, just straight up, was this God's plan? No, this was not God's plan. So God said very clearly that he was going to do this a certain way. Now, let me ask you guys, who is Hagar? Because to be honest, the whole El Roy name is wrapped around Hagar, who is a nobody, which is part of the reason why this is so special and so significant, because it's so unexpected that God unveils himself in such a special way through such an unexpected person. So if I go back a little bit, back when Abraham was traveling through Egypt, he was worried that his wife was going to be taken or that they would kill him for his wife. Does anybody know why he was so worried about that? She was beautiful. And I, I don't know, I, I, during that culture, what they viewed as beautiful or whatever, but that she was, she was a beautiful woman. And he said, if I go there and they, they see you and they say that, uh, that, that they want to take you to, to be one of their wives, they'll just kill me. So Abraham was kind of being a sissy. You know, he was trusting God. So he said, you know what, let's just change the rules a little bit. Let's just say that you are my sister. So they go through there. Guess who falls in love with Sarah? It ends up being Pharaoh. Pharaoh says, man, she's beautiful. Who is this? Oh, this is my sister. He goes, great, you're going to be my wife. And then he takes her to be his wife. So his plan kind of backfired on him. So now... Of course, God had a promise that wasn't God's plan. God steps in. God knows what's going on. And God curses him. And we're not going to have time to go in all day. God curses them. Bad things begin to happen. He comes back and says, what's going on? He said, here's the truth. That's actually my wife. He said, make this curse come from me. So, of course, God straightens it out. And God, he turns around and Pharaoh says, I'm going to give you possessions. I'm going to give you blessings. I, I just want to make this right. I never meant for this to happen. One of the things that he did during that time was give them a handmaid, Hagar. Can I just pause for a minute? What, what, how do you feel emotionally speaking if you are just a pawn, a tool, a token to be flipped into the equation because of the fact is the Pharaoh made a mistake and now you're nothing more than, than a slave? I want you guys to get into the mind of Hagar as you're doing this. It's, it's not a matter of she was Sarah, she was Abraham, she had this promise upon her. She, she was deceived, she was, she was sold, she was, it was not a good situation. And so we get to this part where they go back to their homeland and now she is the servant. I'd imagine they probably got close to her. There's, there had to be a reason that they pointed her out in the situation. But you've got to imagine how she felt betrayed. She felt neglected, she felt unwanted, she felt unimportant, unvalued. Um, so now she's living with God's people. And I, I think there's so many lessons we could learn from this, but if you're, if you're with God's people, you should experience something different. There should, be, there should be something different. But let me tell you, when God's people get in the flesh and God's people end up being carnal, bad things come out of that situation for sure. Abraham now has his wife, which we just read, that Sarah comes up to him and says, hey, you should go and just have a baby with my handmaid. Now, we could look at this from different perspectives, and it's weird because that's kind of twisted even in our culture today. But let me tell you, in their culture, that was normal. But that still doesn't mean that it's just because a culture does it doesn't mean it's Right? And, and, and especially when you've got a certain way of doing things and God had a plan for how he's going to deliver this child. So the crazy thing is Abraham goes along with it. Sarah has his plan. She's emotional. We were promised this. I want a baby. I want a baby. Do it this way. Abraham was blinded by his emotions, blinded by doubt, probably justifying the situation that maybe God's, because she said at the beginning, God has shut up my womb. Maybe she felt like Maybe God changed his mind. You know, to be honest, guys, we all have those thoughts. We all have those things that go through our minds as we go through things. And God made them a promise, and there's challenges that they were facing, and they weren't, they weren't taking those things into consideration. Let me, let me tell you guys, when we step out of God's plan, only problems come. Do you guys know what happens in this story with Hagar? Is it, is it good? You know why? Because only problems come when you do things in your flesh and you do it. When things are not right, things don't work. So things get worse. So Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her handmaid, the Egyptian, after Abram had dwelt, uh, dwelt 10 years in the land of Canaan and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. Notice this last part gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. You talk about confusion. You talk about. Jealousy and everything else that comes as a result of something like this. And Hagar's just following this because she knows them to be uh, people of God and this has to be right. And I don't understand what's going on. And he went unto Hagar and she conceived. And when she, when she saw that she conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. Does that, does that shock anybody in this room? So you're married, you're up in age, way up in age, these guys are. Sarah is there, insecure about herself, can't have a baby, whatever. And here's an 18, 25-year-old girl. And now the Bible says that she was childbearing years. And all of a sudden, jealousy comes in. And the Bible literally says that, that Hagar was despised. There was this jealousy that was happening because now she's walking around the house with this baby bump. She's talking, giggling with the other girls about, oh, I've, I've got a name for him. And I, I'm thinking this, and he's going to be so cute. And Sarah is just thinking, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm the chosen one. I'm the one given the promise. I'm the one that waited. I, I'm the one that God said this to. What did I do wrong? I, all these emotions and feelings going through there, and she's, she's upset at her husband. She's upset at herself. She's upset with life. And, not, and yet, this other girl that isn't nobody is the one that got pregnant. Uh, verse 5, and Sarah said unto Abram, My wrong be upon thee, I have given my maiden to thy bosom, and, and, and when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her eyes. The Lord judged between me and thee. Now, What's weird is, it was Sarah's idea, but she's blaming her husband. I'm not going into that at all. It's as far as I'm taking that. But all I can say, this, this probably never happens in today's culture, but it happened at some frequent coincidence in this passage, so... But anyways, moving on. It gets worse. Verse 6. And Abraham said to Sarah, Behold, thy maid is in thy hand. Do to her as it pleaseth thee. And when Sarah dealt heartily with her, she fled from her face. I, she already came from a place of rejected, sold, used, unseen, unwanted. And now she's in this place of God's people doing things that they ask thinking that they, they wanted a child, she's having a baby, you know what I'm saying? She's probably like, what did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? All I've done is serve you people, left my home, rejected my own people, and then I get this, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. And I think this is important because sometimes in life, there are things that happen to us that just don't make sense. It doesn't add up. What did I do wrong? I'm doing all the right steps. I'm only trying to please you. I'm trying to do the right thing. Now she's rejected by Abraham. She's rejected by Sarah. What kind of person goes to his wife in that situation? And to be honest, Abraham probably had no idea how to calm his wife down. And he probably threw up his hands and said, just, just do whatever you want. I don't care. I'm walking out of this. I mean, you guys read the passage. He so said, do with her what you want. And Sarah dealt heartily with her. I, I'm sure, raise the task. She's pregnant. Go ahead and do the clothes. You better do that floor too. You better clean this up. All you do is drop the ball. He, she dealt hard to the point where she just runs away. Now, let me tell you guys, when life gets hard, you know what we want to do is just run away. I just want out. I can't handle this anymore. But you got to think, where would somebody like Hagar go? She's not even of their people. And if she runs back to her people, it's it's not even like they care. Nobody runs to her side. Nobody's there to help her. I just want you to get the mindset. Does this make sense? Now, you guys know where we're going with this. We're we're not doing just a story on Abraham, Isaac, and Hagar, and Sarah. We're not talking about just them. We're, We're talking about God showing up to be something to us, that we need a name of God to where we can call out to him in these situations. So Abraham said unto her, Behold, I made do with thy handmaid. And it displeased her. And when Sarah dealt heartily with her, she fled from her face. She runs. She's on the run now. Now, here it is. This is the cool thing. You can imagine the emotional state. She's weeping. She's crying. I'm not trying to exaggerate the story, but just God, come on. She's pregnant, okay? She's running. She's tired. She's fleeing. And she gets to this place where she's just having a meltdown. And then God shows up to a nobody. Well, I mean, in our eyes. And the angel Lord found her by a fountain of water in the wilderness, by a fountain in the way of Shur. And she said, and he said unto Hagar, Sarah's maid, whence comest thou, and whither wilt thou go? And she said, I flee from the face of my mistress Sarah. Or Sarah. The angel found her at her la- lowest point. I mean, when she was at her breaking point, just, just imagine it like this. God steps in. When you think, I can't do this, I have nowhere to go. I have nobody to talk to. And there gets a point in our lives that even our friends can't help. Even if you told them, they wouldn't understand. They don't know the emotions. They have. They can't identify with what you've been through. So God shows up in this situation. The angel of the Lord said unto her, Return to thy mistress, submit thyself into her hands. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly, and it shall be not numbered for the multitude." And she called on the name of the Lord that spake, verse 13, unto her. Listen to this. Thou, God, seest me. You can put in there, that's, that's the name of God, El Roy. For she said, I have also here, uh, have, have I also here looked after him that seeth me. Man, this was huge. You, you talk about being unseen. And then God literally in that passage steps in and says, I get it. I know I see you. I know what you're feeling. I know where you've been. I know where you're going. And she turns around and, and maybe, have you ever thought maybe she didn't even know God? Now, I don't know because she was from a pagan background. I don't know if she was converted. I'm not going to say she was or she wasn't. But I know that God is merciful. I know that God shows himself and unveils himself and steps into our ways for us to be in all of who God is. So this is El Roy, so El is God, and Roy is who sees. God sees me, the God who sees, the God that notices me, the God that's aware of me, the God who is there, the God who knows, however you want to put it. But here's what I want to do. I just want to take this same passage and break it down. What does this teach us? So look at this. Number one, God sees you. Okay, that's not very deep, for, but it, it's part of this, Okay. And because when she was running from this and she says in verse 11, because the Lord hath heard thy affliction, it's the the struggles that she was going through, the personal attacks that she was after, the being short on your rent, uh, not having the words to say to that person that you're arguing with, whatever. He says, God has heard your affliction. God, God knows what you're going through. That word affliction is the Hebrew word that means groans. Sometimes it's not even words that you say. It's just like, oh, you know what I'm saying? Have you ever prayed like that or been in a situation where it's like you don't say anything? You're just like, oh, that's what that Hebrew word means. God has heard your groans. God knows what you're going through. God sees this. The reality hits you that you're broke and you have no way to make more money. It's It's what God does when he steps into your pain. God sees your heartbreak. God sees the, 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 the tears that hit your pillow at night because you're crying yourself to sleep because you're so overwhelmed. God shows up and lets Hagar know this. I see this. I see you. Uh, he, he says, she said at the end of verse 13, have I also here looked after him that seeth me? But it's, it's two ways. It's not just that God sees me, but did you notice how Hagar turns around and says, I see you. I I think that this is powerful because I think it ties into a principle that has been a a theme of mine for the last year on my heart. And that is what it means to seek after God. The word to seek his face literally means that I want to experience his presence. It's not just talking to God through prayer. Seeking the face of God literally means I want to experience God's presence with me. Hagar was saying in that thing, in my despair, in my running, in my heart, she was literally saying, I get to see the God that loves me. God made himself known. When no one is around, listen to this. When no one is around, God was saying, I am st- you are still not alone because God sees you in the middle of that. God sees you. That is who El Roy is. That brings comfort to us. God, here's the second thing. It's, it's, it goes along. When God sees you, El Roy, but it also implies here that God cares about you. Now, this is, this is important for us to understand because remember, God's introducing new names of God. What was the very beginning name of God? The very beginning? Elohim. What, what does that mean? Creator, distance. God said, let there be lights, and there was lights. God said, let, let there be firmament," and God said, let there be stars and all that. Do you realize how distant it was? That's why a lot of times when you talk about God in the, in the Bible, it was always so distant, God up there, but when God starts stepping into our problems, he wants us to know, I see you. I, you're more than just my creation. You have value to me. But also God starts saying that I care about you. Notice, that, did you notice verse seven when we got to this? And the angel of the Lord found her. The angel of the Lord found her. God, not that God was like, where'd she go? Okay, don't take this wrong. It's not like he's like, Where, where'd Agar go? It was a matter of God was pursuing her. God was showing up in her pain. When she felt worthless and is scared, God shows up with grace to give us what we don't deserve. But notice verse 7 also says, by the fountain in the way of sure. Now, if you look at the fountain in the way of sure, do you know where she was going? She was going back to her homeland. She's running from one problem to another problem. She's running from people that reject her to people that rejected her. You talk about messed up, but if you were to ask her, she would probably go back and say, what am I supposed to do? Where where am I supposed to go? I I can imagine that in the groanings, have you guys ever gotten away and you just talk out loud and you're just like, whoa, what am I supposed to do? You know, you're just frustrated with like that. You can imagine she's frustrated like this and God says, I found her in the way. She was headed back south. She was headed back to Egypt to the people that enslaved her to begin with. When you get in desperate situations, you do desperate things. We do dumb things. It's like, and, and you would ask and you would say, you know what? I was in a mental state that I didn't even know what to do. I was so overwhelmed. And he said to Hagar in verse 8, Sarah's maid, Whence comest thou and whither wilt thou go? Now, again, did God not know? Of course God know. God was literally in a sense like this saying, where would you come from? It's like, oh, I was with Sarah and my handmaid and she misused me. It's like, where are you going? I'm going back to the Egyptian, the place that rejected me. God was literally calling it out in there saying, I know where you're at and I know where you're going. I'm aware of your circumstances. It's not at all that God didn't know. God was making it clear. God was verbalizing and, uh, and explaining that. It's important for you to know how much God knows you about how God's aware of your circumstances. I put in your notes Matthew 1030, but the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Now, can I ask you guys, why is, why is that such a cool verse? Tell, tell me, somebody, no candy, no good candy, but you just tell me. Mike? It's always, it's always changing. But even the light of it always changing, what does that teach you? God knows the most intimate details of your life. Because you could say, God, do you not know that I don't have a job right now? Do you not know that my kids won't talk to me? Do you not know that I am stressed and depressed? God takes you to the far as so far to say I even know how many hairs are on your head. I mean I know every detail of your life each one of them are numbered. And for some of us that's a lot to keep up with for God. So it's like constantly changing. No one ran after her. Abraham did not run after. Her. Sarah did not run after her but God did. That's the point. God cared. Here's the last thing. God helps now, notice the instruction. God didn't just say, I see you, you know, and it wasn't just a matter of that. It wasn't just a matter of, like, God cares. It's like, where are you going? Where are you come from? What are you dealing with? But God had a plan for it. The El Roy that we have is not just God sees me. It's more that God cares about me, but take it a step further. The God that sees me and cares about me is El Shaddai that can take care of my situation. But it's also a matter that God does step in to take care of my situation. The angel of the Lord said unto her, Return to thy mistress, submit thyself under her hands. You talk about getting some hard news. She's probably thinking, That's, um, yeah, that's the last thing I want to do. (laughs) It's like, That is the absolute last thing I want to do. God was literally saying to her, I'm not done yet. I'm not done. And sometimes when we can't see the future, we need God to get behind us to push us to the next level of saying, I'm not done, I'm doing more. Not to run. Some of you guys in your marriage situation behind the scenes, and you're thinking it's done. God, God, God that sees you is going to tell you, I'm not done with that. Keep going. Same thing with parenting or whatever it is. Don't quit. That's what he was saying. Don't quit. Is it hard? Yes. But notice what else he says. And the angel Lord said unto her, What's the next two words? In verse 10 I will. I will. And that's powerful because we know in El Shaddai, that's what God said to him. God says to her, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly, that it shall not be numbered for the multitude. Man, we need to circle that in our Bibles. God will do what we did not think was possible, God can handle our situation, God sees our future. Isn't that cool in that passage? God told her, He says, "I'm going to multiply thy seed. I'm I'm going to make you a great nation." To a nobody, guys, what would what would what do we call it when somebody receives something great that they didn't earn or deserve? It's grace. You talk about grace. We we often when we talk about grace, we see it in the New Testament all the time. But let me point to the Old Testament. She's a servant, somebody that grew up worshiping a pagan god, a nobody. And yet, in that, in that situation, God's saying, you can't see this, Hagar, because in her, dirt, her, in her darkest time, away from everybody alone, God sees her. And then God says, let me tell you something cool. I see way down the line. I see Ishmael. I see your future. I see what I'm going to do with you. God sees all these things. God is El Roy. God is the one that sees you. And God is the one that cares about what he sees and God is the one that helps you with what you see with what he sees. Now this is cool. Verse 11, and the angel of the lord said unto her behold thou art with child and shalt bear a son and thou shalt call his name Ishmael because the lord hath heard thy affliction. So here's the word, Ishmael means this, God will hear. Do you know why that is so cool in that passage? Because now she's going to have this baby. She has this experience, okay? God sees me, Elroy. And now she's holding this baby. And the baby is a constant reminder, God hears me. God hears me. God puts something in her life that is a reminder of the promise of God, that I, I hear your groans, I hear your cries, and God blesses her in this way of a constant reminder of his presence. So let me give you some Old Testament, and this is, this is cool, just some passages. And one of them was actually this study of Elroy Roy is what inspired me to even talk about what we did with VBS Sunday with the kids um, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on the behalf of them whose heart is perfect towards him. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro. You think, where is God? says, God, God see this? I, I preached a message on this um, a while back. I don't know how many of you were there, where I preached about faith and trusting God. It, and, and faith means that you can't help me. And we put up the curtain on the stage. And then they, the, the life that was falling apart, and that's the whole uh, thing. Is God? God saw it the whole time. God was always there. Just in our feelings and emotions, we feel like He's not. He He said this in Psalms thirty-three verse six. Uh, thirty-three verse six. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the hosts by the breath of His nostrils, by the breath of His mouth. Verse 8, let all the earth fear the Lord. Let his inhabitants of the wor- world stand in all of him. For he spake and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. Now let me test you guys. Who are we describing there? Name of God that created. Elohim. By the Lord were all the heavens made. By the earth the fear of the Lord. The inhabitants of the world. And I know we haven't combined the word Lord yet with With God, But we'll do that in Genesis. Actually, it's part of the next thing that we're going to. And out of all that, the Lord looketh from heaven, and he beholdeth all the sons of men. Out of everything that he created, and he still steps forward and says, but what my heart is set on, what I see in the midst of them, is not the billions of stars, but even to the detail of the, the hairs on your head. That's what God sees.